Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome back to another edition of our Locker Room Q&A here live on the Locker Room app, available on iOS devices. Download them, join us on Saturday mornings, sometime between 9 and 10.30 a.m. is usually when we get things started. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, we got our three-panel uh, group of, of, of Pride of Detroiters with us, uh, one of them being our co-host, Eric Schlitt, at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric. How are we doing today? Uh, good morning, buddy. I'm doing good. It's uh, it's nice to be able to get this uh, out really early in the morning, and uh, it's nice to have a good crowd with us today, too. Yep. Got a lot of people here uh, ready to ask us questions. That's what we do on these locker room. Um, we, it's just a full Q&A session where we answer any questions that are burning for you guys. Uh, and with us to help answer those questions is also Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan, good morning. Oh, good morning, Jeremy. Good morning, Eric. It's so nice that the sun is out today because yesterday in Michigan, it sucked. <laughs> it, it did. And that concludes the weather report. Um, <laughs> let's jump right into your questions because we've had uh, some interesting developments this week. Obviously, OTAs week one re- uh uh, kept on Thursday. I was able to get out there th- that week. Um, hopefully next week we'll, we'll have both me and Eric out there to, to provide some more observations as things continue to ramp up. Also have some Todd Gurley stuff. If you guys want to talk Todd Gurley, um, not, not on the lines yet. Not sure if he will be. Um, but yeah, if, if you're live with us, feel free to jump into the request and ask any questions you'd like. Let's get things started with our friend, John, John, how you doing this morning? Not too bad. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, just with the OTA starting up, I just wondered what you've heard. I was, you talked about Jared Goff, which was really good uh, on the uh, your recap. I was just wondering how the other quarterbacks, how they're connecting with Jared, with teammates, how they're throwing. Did you get any feedback at all of what how they're connecting with the team? Honestly, I haven't seen too much. If if I'm being completely honest, I was trying to keep my focus on Jared Goff, and in terms of you know, meaningful reps. Um, they really only had about a five, 10 minute session of, of seven on sevens. Everything else was kind of individual drills and, and, and they were throwing with the, the wider Steven stuff, but um, the really, really the only other stuff I saw with the, the other quarterbacks was kind of um, footwork drills. There, there was kind of a heavy emphasis on, on footwork drills on Thursday for whatever reason. And, you know, they just kind of had them jumping over pads and things like that. And that's really when, and, and I mentioned this in my, my article breakdown, that's when Mark Brunel was really kind of vocal and really amped up and, and really excited. And, um, you know, I, I, again, I, I probably couldn't tell you too much about how, how their arms were on Thursday just because there was so much else going on. Um, but, um, you know, I've, I've seen some other writers and, and I've talked to them a little bit about it as well. And, and um, I, I think 
the the backup job is is definitely Tim Boyle's to lose at this point. Um, I I haven't seen what what all of the Green Bay Packers beat writers were were proclaiming uh, <laughs> last year. Um, I don't think he's in any sort of competition for the starting job. Um, but yeah, based on what I've seen uh, and, and heard, I would say Tim Boyle's pretty pretty much locked into the backup job at this point. Okay, I just wondered whether, like I say, they're always stressing competition. It sounds like Burnell's really pumped. So he's really pushing the competition. I just wondered whether anyone was going to, going to give him some sort of feeling of a push at all. So uh, that's interesting to know, at least. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really expect a push, but again, that's something that we'll we'll just kind of have to to wait and see later. Like it, it was very clear to me that Jared Goff was taking all the number one reps, and of course you'd you'd expect that especially yeah. of, of the first practice that they're going to put in front of the, the, the media. If they were to, to split snaps, I think, with the first team, that would really kind of cause a buzz, and I'm sure they don't want to do that for, for Goff's, uh, you know, his confidence or things like that. So um, I, I, I maybe I'll throw this to you guys. Do you think there's, there's any chance there's a real competition for the starting job? No. No. No, not at all. No, no. I mean, no. Uh, I think Boyle is clearly the number two. The only report that I've heard uh, was from the guys at The Athletic that said, you know, that Boyle was can really spin it. But other than that, it's been pretty – I mean, we know what Blau is. Uh, Boyle's got a lot of hype, but I, I can't imagine that he's uh, anywhere near Goff. They have been hyping Goff, touting Goff. They said he's the number one. I don't think there's, there's any chance that um, – it goes any other way. You yeah. don't think they're gonna, you don't think they're going to try to push push him at all with anybody. Then. Well, I, I think they'll push him, but I don't think anyone's going to be able to overtake him. I think they are married to golf uh, this season, and um, it would take an epic failing of on golf's part to to see yeah. Tim Boyle. Like, unless I mean, obviously, it's there's going to be cleanup duties and injuries happen here and there. But I mean, for a full blown takeover of the job, it would need it would be an epic uh, disaster from golf. I think <laughs> it just seems so laid back, and I'm all, you, you sort of get that concern sometimes. Although he seems to say the right things, I just hope he's 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 and they, they make it sound as if he is enthusiastic at these OTAs. So that's that's been good. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good kind of recap of, of where we're at with Goff. Um, we'll, we'll obviously see more as, as things either ramp, ramp up at OTAs or might have to really wait until uh, training camp until things really ramp up and, you know, the pads get on and all that stuff. Thanks, guys. Love the show. No problem, man. Thanks for the call in. Let's bring in Daniel next. Daniel, how you doing, Daniel? Hey, well, early out here on the West Coast, but good to be with you. <laughs> No problem. Appreciate you waking up early with us. Well, that's the way it worked out. Hey, I'm interested in what left to talk about, and there's always a lot of good questions. Really interested in what hasn't happened, which is that the one need that, that, that's been talked about uh, this offseason is safety. And it just mm -hmm. seems like uh, Brad Holmes hasn't done anything about it. Now, I get the draft that he's taking the best player available, and I'm sure he would have taken a safety and one to fall into him. And it seems to me that there's a couple of explanations. One is that uh, uh, Aubrey Pleasance is, is not just, you know, talking coach speak when he says he really likes the talent in the room. And they believe with a different scheme and the right coaching that, that they're going to be okay. And the other is, that, you know, maybe they just they haven't found the right guy who's who's going to take it on, a, uh, on one of those one-year prove-it deals. And, and it seems like Brad Holmes is just not going to – He's not going to to waste, uh, you know, cap room 
on, on a placeholder that what they, you know, some guy, maybe they bring some guy in, he's there for a couple of years, but he's not a real foundational piece. And then he's gone. And then what they really want to do is they can't get that. They really want guys who are really going to compete for the job. So, but I don't really know the, you know, the, what the market is like for, for safeties. And if, you know, uh, so, so what do you think uh, among, among those two explanations or, or maybe a third one? Yeah, let me let me throw this to Eric first because I know we've talked and, and I think we were both surprised that safety wasn't addressed in the draft. But you've also, you've also kind of written a, a top 10 free agents line should consider signing at this point. And I know there were a couple safeties on that list. So, um, yeah, yeah let, let's hear your overall thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think it was a matter of you can't fix everything. And uh, the opportunity came up to fix the lines and they started with the lines first and safety was just the the position that was left without a chair when the music stopped. Right. So um, they could go after a couple guys in free agency The the top three that I identified were uh, Trey Boston, who had one of his most successful years in the NFL uh, playing under Anthony Lynn. Uh, Kenny Vaccaro has history working with uh, Aaron Glenn. And then Malik Hooker is one of the better free safeties. He's just uh, often injured. Uh, no real connection to the staff, but he's a very talented player. Any of those three, I think, would come in and challenge uh, Will Harris and Dean Marlowe. But... Um, you know, I I could also see them just rolling with the guys they have. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting because it is a question of, of coach speak or or you know real talk, and we we kind of talked about this during one of the last podcasts, Ryan, of of whether you believe it. But again, we heard this week um, Aaron Glenn talking talking Tracy Walker up quite a bit, and I think he even slipped a mention in for Will Harris as well. So, um, Ryan, do do you believe? I, I mean, part of me thinks like. Aaron Glenn is just kind of excited to get his hands on some young guys and, and see if he can help them out. Are, are you buying that maybe they're just happy with who they got? Um, yeah, I, I agree a lot with what Eric had to say. I think that safety just happened to be the odd man out when it came mm-hmm. to all the things on your checklist, on, on, on your grocery list that you needed to grab. Um, but I, I'm really buying Tracy Walker this year. I, I'm, I'm expecting big things out of Tracy Walker this year. And, I think, you know, I think it's more than just coach speak. Um, Aaron, Aaron Glenn mentioned, I think one of the most important things is like getting an up Tracy Walker rather than getting a down Tracy Walker, because Tracy Walker went through a lot of stuff last year. Yeah. Um, you know, had his cousin murdered. Um, I, I mean, he, he went through a tumultuous season, um, you know, all through a global pandemic nonetheless. So, I mean, he went through a lot of stuff. Um, and I think all those personal things aside, like football Football is just like a, you know, it's a, it's a job. And I, I think the thing that Aaron Glenn said that was most encouraging about Tracy Walker is that like, he's like in the film room asking questions. He's like right after practice, he's jumping in the film room, he's watching stuff. And you know, he mentioned the same thing about Will Harris too. But I, I think there's, there's obviously the talent with Tracy Walker. And I think, um, you know, getting him in the right mindset um, and having the right coaching staff around him, <clears throat> you know, a coaching staff that believes in him because it really seemed like he was part of the doghouse in, in Patricia. Yep. So um, I, I think that's I think that's really important for the for that safety group. Obviously, like talent wise, could they improve? Yes. But I think that, you know, you're looking at the free agent class right now and, you know, it, it's it's a bunch of leftovers. So I, I think they're probably encouraged with the young guys that they have now, see what they have in them. And then they can address the position maybe next offseason. season. 
Yeah, and I think you bring up a really good point about having a, a coaching staff that believes in him because I think it's easy to forget. And, I, and I, honestly, I, I had kind of forgotten until you just said it. Like he was, he was second string in training camp yeah. last year. We Remember were shocked, that? right? Yeah. And you have to imagine that that hits the ego a little bit, and maybe it puts a chip on your shoulder. Maybe, maybe it's kind of you know, maybe you get angry at the coaching staff. Whatever it is, you know, like you said, there was a lot on his plate emotionally last year, and I'm sure that sort of thing didn't really help. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think we're all eager to see a, a more, uh, more happy, more, I don't know, efficient uh, Tracy Walker this year. He he also had his first child during this That's pandemic right. as That's well, right. yeah. and, and, and he is a he is a very very strong family man. Mm-hmm. And um, when you have a first child and uh, the the amount that he dedicates towards his family, uh, I, I'm sure that distracted. And then like Ryan mentioned, on top of uh, his cousin, and I, it just, you could see whenever he you would talk to him, he just didn't seem like the guy that we had talked to in previous years, you know? And so I, I do think a, a coaching staff with confidence or that has confidence in him, you could see a, a massive turnaround in Tracy this year. Fingers crossed. All right, Daniel, appreciate the All question. Right, thanks, guys. If you got another one, feel free to rejoin the queue there. Uh, let's do one more before we head to our first break. Nicholas has been waiting. Nicholas, how you doing, man? Are you there, Nicholas? Hey, can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you now. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, good. Hey, so I just wanted to throw uh, a little topic up for discussion. Um, everyone thinks that they're going to be bad this year, and, I mean, I, I do too. But what's to say that with good coaching they can't be good? I mean, you look at someone like Jeff Okuda, who was touted as the best cornerback prospect to come out in, you know, however long, and how bad he looked, and – you know, the, the the stuff that Patricia had him doing with, you know, lining up at press man and then bailing or lining up 10 yards off. I mean, the, the coaching staff didn't do favors to any of these guys. So what's to say that everybody can't improve under better coaching and um, actually be, you know, a, a 500 team this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question, Nicholas. I, I'm definitely starting to see some Lions fans kind of turn towards that and think like, yeah, I don't think anyone has playoffs or an NFC North title in mind or or, you know, a, a, a championship run or anything like that in this team's future. But I, I am starting to see some people think like 500 is an attainable goal here. And it's, it's interesting because you're right. Like there's, there's nowhere to go, but up for a lot of these players on defense specifically. Um, the question I think is, is how much they're going to slide on offense. I mean, and maybe they won't, but um, let's start with you, Eric. Cause uh, I know you like being touted as the, the optimistic one. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> What what are your thoughts? Do do you think uh, you know? I was going to say eight and eight, but I guess eight eight and one is that an attainable goal this year? Uh, look, I, I think look in the NFL, these these teams are not separated by as much as we like to make it out to be. Yep. Right, mm-hmm. uh, a bad team can beat a good team. Like it, it's just the way the parity in the NFL and how it works. And so, you know, if the Lions win the games, they should. They can, you know, you can add up four or five on the schedule. And then if you if they sneak out a couple that they shouldn't, now you're up to to you know six seven, right? Could you get enough to get up to six to, to five hundred or just under, right? Maybe. I mean, like I I wouldn't rule it out, right? But the the issue with this with this team this year is going to be one the schedule is really difficult, and, and that's going to be really hard to overcome. But then 
uh, you're also relying on a lot of younger players who are going to have to shorten their learning curve very quickly. And then injuries are inevitable in the NFL and you're going to have to be able to overcome those. And I don't know if the depth on this team is right, is there just yet. I do like a lot of the starters. I do think that they have the talent to compete, but do they have the talent to keep up over a 17 game season? Uh, you know, overcoming all the obstacles that inevitably come up. That's the challenging part, right? Um, I'm optimistic that they, that things can break their way and, and that they can have a, a, a moderately successful season, but there's a lot of challenges in front of them, but you know what? You never know. And, and, and I, I'm not ruling it out expecting like, you know, I'm not going into the season thinking that they're going to have like the first overall pick or anything like that. But, um, you know, there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot to overcome. Right, and I, I kind of want to phrase this question a little differently to you because we, I think we both looked over the the Football Outsiders post from about a week ago where they said basically they expect the offense to slide back to about average and the defense could be anywhere from from really 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 bad to just maybe really bad. Um, <laughs> uh, and and but you know they even said like best case scenario like golf proves he didn't need McVeigh and and the defense gets to average and this team could make a wild card run um so I guess my question to you is is where do you see that kind of split between offense and defense I was kind of having this conversation with some of the the Lions beat writers guys as well like do you think the offense could be average or better do you think the defense could get up to maybe average because I mean if those stars align then yeah I, I mean I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say the world the words wild card probably ever again until until next <laughs> year. But um, yeah, I think 500 might be attainable if if that's a realistic goal. Yeah, so I, I guess I view that that chasm between the offense and the defense to be narrowing, right? And yeah. I, I think I view it as narrowing because of Matthew Stafford's departure, and right. you you see the offense maybe taking. Um, a sizable step back because, I mean, for how many games did we watch Matthew Stafford just make things happen? Um, and, uh, you know, he's gone. The wide receiver corpse is gone. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think what's most interesting is like during OTAs, Jeremy, and it, it could have been something like, you know, just protecting golf and, you know, having things look easy for him. But maybe this is an offense that just plays really close to the line of scrimmage. And maybe it's just one of those teams that relies on chunking down the field and, you know, trying to, to, to wear teams out that way. Um, you know, don't have any PTSD flashbacks to, to a Matt Patricia offense, but um, I, I think that the, I, I think that the defense is going to be remarkably better than it was last season. I think that, I mean, there's so much room for improvement. And I think that kind of speaks to the overall team. Like if the expectations are, you're going to go one and sixteen. Well, I mean, or you're going to go two and fifteen. Well, you're, you're going to probably perform a little bit better than that. And when everybody has you pegged to be that team, I think that Dan Campbell's just the right coach to play off that and to use that as kind of like bulletin board material. And it, it plays into that like why not us thing. And I think that's where fans are right now in, in, at this point of the offseason, where it's like, well, hold on a second, like you know, every team has problems, so why not us? And I mean, they could be they could be a 500 team. They could be a 500 team, but like Eric said, I think the schedule is just so damn tough. Like, I mean, it would it would take like a lot of luck, and um, you know, there, there's variables like injuries and everything. But I, I I'm not going to say that this team is going to be any better than five wins, but it, it would be encouraging 
I think if if they end up going 500, no matter how they win those games. Personally, I'm I I don't really like looking at the schedule and being like it's hard at this point of the year. Like we just we don't really know. We don't really know. But that being said, I, the, the the interesting thing to me, especially on defense, is I feel like the defensive line is a lot better than probably national people are giving it credit for. And then the secondary is kind of bad, but that's also where the Lions' strength probably lays in the coaching staff. Yeah, right. And so, like, if it, if that could all somehow come together in one year, and, and listen, I'm not expecting a, a jump into the top ten. I'm probably not even expecting a jump into the, the top half of the league on defense. But I'm with you that, I, like, we could see a sizable leap into maybe, I mean, you, you can't go any further down. Let's be clear there. No, that's uh, that much is clear. Like they they could like uh, a move to like being below average would be like incredible to see, right? Like it would be night yeah. and day from last season, right? Um, but I, I I just I'm trying to think of how games will play out given the talent here, and I'm I'm thinking you know the defense might play a little bend don't breaky a little bit, and the offense is like you said might play kind of close to the vest here. My concern is. If this team's ever behind, I don't know if they can, you know, bring themselves out of a hole of, of a hole like mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford could, yeah. because of because of not having Matthew Stafford, because of not having um, the, the wide receiving core that that they they used to. So um, that to me is maybe the biggest concern, and, and maybe that kind of puts more pressure on the defense, really more so than the offense, to to really turn things around in, in a hurry. Otherwise, I could see the, these team falling behind behind and just not being able to do much about it. I, I agree with you too, real quick, Jeremy. Like the the schedule, when you look at it, like in May, it's like you're really just counting on like everything that happened last year, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you look at their out of you know their their out of uh, division opponents. You look at the AFC North and you look at the NFC West. There's legitimately three teams in each of those conferences that have like title aspirations. Yeah, and those are those are not just like they looked good last year. Those are notoriously good divisions that have been good. Oh, yeah, for a while. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. With that, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your Lions questions here on the Locker Room app when we come back. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. And we are back on our locker room app live Q and a, uh, we're just going to jump right back into questions here. We got Dan on the line, Dan, how you doing, buddy? Are you there, Dan? Can you hear us? Dan, Dan. the man, Dan, <laughs> the man. Sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, there yeah. we go. <laughs> you just had to send out the bat signal there, right? <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, well, it hasn't been asked and, and, and a buddy asked me to mention it, but I, actually it's sort of a, a two-way uh, question. It's like with with Gurley, it brings up this thought with Carry On that, and it's really hard to because he's a, he's a really nice guy and he's you know he's a gamer and all that kind of stuff. But you know maybe he was had lost a bit of speed and everything else. But maybe it was. But anyway, that, this is your question. But you know when you look at those decisions and you look at them 
bringing on more guards because maybe they don't know Stenberg, but they're sort of letting the wide receiver be with one pick. And then obviously the secondary, as you guys have already talked, it's interesting, but like they're going very in depth in those two positions and, uh, you know, the running back room and the, and the lines. And I'm just curious what you think about Gurley and carry on, which one, oops, sorry, you would keep. Yeah, I, I think I think it's important to kind of connect those two moves. And and, and again, we have to be clear, Gurley is not signed at least as of as of we're recording here. But to to see them get rid of uh, carry on, and then a couple weeks later, um, you know, sniff around with Gurley. I mean, those moves have to be contained because once once they release carry on, the the narrative was, oh, they just they just must really believe in Jamar Jefferson, and if they do. Well, then there's no reason to have Todd Gurley on on the roster because you're not going to have him be RB4. So I'm curious as to what you you guys think about this because Ryan and I talked about it a little bit on on Twitch the other day, but um, I was left scratching my head with this one. So maybe, Eric, you have an explanation that I would understand. Well, when the news broke, I'm the one that wrote the article, right? And then in it, I said – uh, at best, he's RB3, and in parentheses I put, and quite honestly, he's probably RB4 because I don't think he would come in ahead of Jamar Jefferson. Now, what he brings would just be experience and knowledge and guidance. Like that locker room or that running back's room is pretty inexperienced. You know, Jamal Williams has four years in the league, uh, Swift one, Jefferson none, Boyd none, Mills none, right? So your leader in the clubhouse is is a four-year back. And so maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough leadership, and maybe you're going to get enough leadership from Deuce Staley and and Anthony Lynn as former NFL running backs. But really, look, Gurley is familiar with golf. Gurley is familiar with the front office. Uh, It could have just been a courtesy-type tryout. Like, he he was trying to sniff the market. He wanted to get his, uh, his name back out there again. So he he could get into into a camp. Um, he's a lot like carry on in the fact that the the struggles he have are, are, are injury related, right? Yeah. And, and if you think carry on's injuries are bad, then you know you can you can sniff around Gurley. But I mean, I think it's pretty obvious to everyone his his knees are pretty shot too, and so. Do you bring him in as a, as a reliable guy? Um, I don't. I, I mean, that's it. You're, you're, you're looking for a veteran now. In the offseason, I mentioned that role specifically for Gurley, like as, as them maybe being interested in him. I also mentioned um, uh, LaShawn McCoy for the same role. Like McCoy is a guy who's been around the block, is familiar with the coaching staff, and you know he could be basically a mentor for a young room. But that's beyond that, I don't think you're bringing him in as a guy you're expecting production out of. Um, and so uh, – I don't think he eventually signs here. And, and of course, I, you know, I'm jinxing myself an, an hour later here, right? <laughs> but um, it just, it, it, it's, I think Dan's right. It's, it's a lot like, he's, he's a lot like carry on in the fact that he's going to do a lot of the same things. And if he didn't believe in carry on, I don't know how much more he brings beyond experience. Ryan, has your mind changed at all since, since we talked on Thursday? Well, I think Eric brings up a good point about the running back room. And, I mean, you're talking about the most experienced guy in the room has 500 career carries. That's Jamal Williams over four seasons. So, like, none of these guys, including Swift, you know, going back to last year, like, you know, splitting splitting work with Adrian Peterson, like, all of these guys have been in split back roles. Like, none of them have been, like, the leader. It, it makes a little sense to bring in a guy like Todd Gurley, who was definitively, like, at one point in time, the best player in the NFL. And, you know, we mentioned it, or I mentioned it on the Twitch stream that we had the other day, Jeremy, but I think 
a lot of people's initial reaction is like, oh, it's like Todd Gurley. It's like it's Nightcrawler. It's that dude who like <laughs> set the NFL on fire. But it's not like it's it's a guy who averaged three and a half yards a carry last season um, for Atlanta. And maybe the most notable thing he did is help win the Lions a football game. So <laughs> I, you know, you can't help but be you, you can't help but think, OK, the Brad Holmes connection and maybe it's it's a Holmes guy thing because. Yeah, there's a lot of redundancy when it comes to like carry on and, and Gurley and you see that kind of overlap. But I, I, I truly think like if you're Todd Gurley. Even going to the Lions for a visit, like that has to speak volumes as to like even how he views his own stock because he's, he, he knows the running back room here. It's not like he's coming here without any, any idea of you know who else is in that room for the Lions right now. So maybe he's kind of understanding like, all right, you know what, if I want to be a part of an NFL team, maybe this is the role that I have to take on, um, you know, being RB3 or potentially being RB4. Um, and maybe that's it. And you know, if he's cool with that, then I'm cool with that. Someone say Todd Gurley helped the Lions win a game uh, last year. The more cynical among us would say he helped, he hurt the Lions' chances to get a guy like Kyle Pitts. Damn you. <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to do that to you. Well, touche. Well, thanks very much. I, I do appreciate it. But, yeah, I was also curious about the guards. and I mean, I think that there's an aspect that you guys have talked about with the the coaches and they let the people in the defense go that they wanted to, you know, and they, and they, and they kept the ones that I think, you know, I, I like Jay, Jalen Reeves maybe for a while and I haven't really seen him on the field. I don't know if he can do defense, but I, I'm glad he's getting a chance, but do you know what I mean? It's sort of, there's, I don't know. They just made, I think they're just going for a run uh, in, in other departments. And if nothing else, you know, when you strengthen both those lines, it's going to help everything else. It's like, uh, Vitae, I mean, who doesn't want Glasgow bad? But it is what it is, you know. But Vitae between those two players is going to be a better Vitae. And, you know, you've got to manage it that maybe the secondary is going to do better and no matter what, they can hang their hat on, on the improvement in the defense, you know. But yeah. thanks very much. Yeah, no problem, Dan. And, yeah, the the, the guard situation is, is kind of interesting. I think we know who the starters are. But, yeah, the depth is, is definitely a, a bit of a concern, right, Eric? Yeah, I... There's no experience there. Right. Yeah, right. You, you've got um, basically no one. Le- Evan Brown yeah. is, a, is, is a center guard hybrid. Um, Matt Nelson uh, has, you know, got some reps at guard in the past, not in, not in a game, but in, in practices and, and in camp and whatnot. Um, possibly Crosby becomes a starter at every spot, but set, or a, a, the top reserve at every spot, but yeah. center. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um they they're actually one player short at the guard position than what I thought they would have because they they're one player short of three full lines, which teams typically bring into camp so they can just cycle through three different lines. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know if there's an answer there, you know, necessarily. Um, mm. We there was that the that uh, was a Barnwell from ESPN, right? That that mm-hmm. noted mm-hmm. that um, Trey Turner was still out there and he kind of yeah. paired him with the Lions. I mean, I I. I I know investing capital into a guard, it doesn't isn't really sexy. Uh, but if you don't think Crosby can play guard, your best backup right now is either Evan Brown or Stenberg, and that's not thrilling. So um, it's it's interesting. I, I still think the line is probably the strongest position group on this roster. Uh, I don't think it's actually that close either, but um, even that strength, there's still some, some weaknesses in it when it comes to depth. 
One might even say that their best backup guard might be their starting center. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Can can I can I go back and, and say like I still don't really understand the cutting of Joe Dahl? Like is that is that something that I can still complain about a little bit? No, I, th- I Jeremy, I was right there with you. Like when when they made the Joe Dahl cut, I was like, that's a guy who like I mean, you want to talk about versatility? Can play every position on the line. Um, so I, I thought it, I thought it was kind of perplexing that 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 happened, um, even with the the cap kind of situation yeah. that that surrounded him too. So yeah, yeah I, f- I found that to be a little weird. Here's here's what concerned me about Dahl is he was starting in week one and then he got injured. And then when he came back, he could not beat out Ode Abouche for a position. And the fact that he couldn't beat out Ode Abouche is pretty telling. And the fact that um, it's Hank Fairley who was coaching him and didn't recommend that he play ahead of him. And now Hank Fraley has returned. It tells me that there was something there that Fraley didn't like about him. And and that's my guess is he was a reserve that they didn't even know was in the, if they didn't know if he was in the too deep and then he was making like $3 million or over $3 million. And they just didn't see the player versus capital equation balancing. That's fair. And I, I suppose if you could get a guy like Trey Turner in here for about the, the three million cap hit that Joe Dahl had, that's right. a problem. That, that's an upgrade for, for, you know, the same price. So I, I get, I guess I get it, but it does feel like they're in a precarious situation with the depth sure. right now. And, and maybe that's just, maybe they don't care. Maybe they're just like, well, you know, we, we, it, we can't invest that much money in anywheres and might as well, you know, get a look at some of these young guys. Remember when Frank Ragnow, you know, broke his throat. And still yeah. played, and <laughs> yeah. then and then and then missed the one game. It was Evan Brown that took the snaps at center. It wasn't even Joe yeah. Dahl. So they they may think That's Evan true. Brown's a better player uh, than Joe Dahl. It's I mean it could uh, we we'll have to see it in camp ourselves, but. That's, I mean, it, it's weird how he went from such a high status to just in the tank. But that w- the last year's staff, th- that was not uncommon for them to do. The departure of Joe Dahl goes to show that Chris Spielman doesn't have as much pull on the roster as a lot of fans <laughs> think he has. My column. <laughs> Joe Dahl might have been the best fullback on the on the roster, too. <laughs> Ouch. All right. We're, we're getting uh, away from ourselves here. Let's bring in one more caller here before we head to our second break. Garrett is here. Garrett, how are you doing? Hey, can you guys hear me? Yep. Cool. Hey, I uh, just wanted to stir the pot a little bit and um, bring in some talk about trading for Julio Jones and adding him to the offense and maybe elevating uh, the play there. Possibly, you know, making him top 10 offense, I would say. Um, You have a set offensive line for the foreseeable future. You have a talented running back room. Both Rashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams have been – you know, good com- complimentary receivers. Um, and then Jared Goff needs weapons. So I think, uh, you know, the the Lions front office could pursue Julio Jones. I was thinking maybe a second and a fourth and uh, get back Julio Jones in the fifth round. I know there there's talk about there being a first round offer out for him. I just don't think that's true. But, yeah, just want to see what – See what you guys think. 
I, I love the stirring of the pot here. It was actually our question of the day on the on the website today, and and currently ninety one percent of fans are against it. Um, I, I would definitely consider myself among them, but I'm with you that the Lions absolutely have a, a, a spot on the roster for a wide receiver one. The question is, is Julio Jones too costly for a team that shouldn't that, – that, I mean, it could be considered a short-term investment. I think the answer is yes, um, but I'm curious, is, is there any leeway between you two where you would say, I'd be okay if the Lions trade for Julio Jones? Let me talk no. cap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with Ryan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cap, cap. Cap is also the yeah the, a yeah. huge deal here. If, if if you want to talk just purely cap, right now they have about seventeen and a half million dollars uh, available once they get their the rest of their rookies officially under cap un, under a contract. So seventeen and a half million dollars. If you trade for Julio, his contract would be fifteen point three guaranteed, and so you would have essentially. $2.2 million to spend to get you through the rest of the year. And and that would completely hamstring them. So just from a pure cap perspective, it's a very difficult investment to swallow. Uh, from a player investment, I do understand it's, it's a, it's appeal, but again, he's 32. Um, and I don't think that that's the direction that the team is heading. They're more willing, I think to, look at what they have and just be willing to to not be as talented at certain positions because even if they added Julio, as talented as he is, I still don't know if I would say that they have the ability or that they would be a top 10 offense. You know, could they be? Maybe. But, you know, there's so many unanswered questions um, that I just don't think that the return is is worth it. Anything to add, Ryan? Well, I mean, I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that Julio Jones wants to win. And yeah. if the Atlanta Falcons were to do Julio dirty and trade him to a team that doesn't have, you know, title aspirations like the Lions, I mean, that'd be a really bad look. Um, and I, I think you'd get a player that maybe wouldn't be as invested um, in the success of the team um, as, as you'd hope for. I mean, let, let, let's be honest. So Julio Jones is a generation, like he, he should be in the hall of fame. He's a generational talent. Like he's, he's an incredible football player by, by the same token though. And I'm not comparing the two, but if the lions wanted a, a talented, expensive wide receiver room, they had Kenny Galladay and they let him go. So, um, yeah, Julio Jones, like, I mean, Madden 22 comes out in a couple months. So you can, can add him to your roster that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and if, if he's not coming to Dallas, uh, I, I doubt <laughs> yeah. he wants to come to Detroit. I mean, it's worth the shot. I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, I'll definitely be adding him on that and see how that goes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not totally sold on it, honestly. But I also wouldn't be upset if they decided to add him. I think it'd be pretty exciting. Yeah, and, and that's. That's a factor that maybe I would hope they wouldn't put too much thought into, but it would certainly give, I think, Lions fans a, a nice shot in the arm of, of something to look forward to watching this year, right? Like, um, I, while everyone's excited about the new coaching staff and, and there's some players that I think a lot of, um, Lions fans are hoping to take a, a, a big jump in production, there's not a ton of, of, you know, things to get excited about for the on-field product this year, right? Like there's not not mm-hmm. huge playmaker guys that that you know it's going are going to tally up 15 sacks or 13 touchdowns or things like that. 
um, Julio would bring that that excitement. Um, I just don't know if it would be worth it in the long run. In fact, I, I kind of doubt it would be. So, all right, let's take our second break here. When we come back, we're going to finish up with your Lions questions as we head towards week two of OTAs. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Finishing up here on our Lions Q&A session here live on the Locker Room apps every Saturday morning, either at around 9 or 10.30 a.m. Be sure to follow us on Twitter to make sure you know when we're going to be live uh, at Pride of Detroit. Um, let's jump into our next speaker. We've got Connor on the line. Connor, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Awesome. So uh, I've got some more questions about the defense, specifically the secondary so I know our lack of pass rush was uh, a huge issue last year, and I think we've addressed that a good amount so far. But could you speak a little bit more about our secondary, more specifically the battle between Amani Awarie and Quentin Dunbar, as well as Will Harris and Dean Marlowe? Just kind of see what those camp battles will be like over the next couple months, and who do you think uh, winning those starting jobs uh, for week one? Yeah, I think I think you nailed it. Those are probably the two biggest camp battles on defense, I would say, uh, lingering there. And we saw kind of an early sign of, of maybe where it's headed uh, on Thursday when I when I noted that Orarie was um, lined up with Afatu Melifanu um, with yeah, I, I couldn't really call him the first or the second or the third team defense, but those two were paired together. Jeff Okuda was paired um, with Quinton Dunbar. Again, way too early to say like that's that's the definitive pairings and, and that's how they're going to move forward, but it's where things are starting. So uh, Eric, let's, let's sort of you. Um, what are your early thoughts on those camp battles? Yeah. I, you know, if, if Dunbar's already in, in that top rotation, then that's a good signal that they're already interested in him. I mean, Aaron Glenn also did that interview with the athletic where he was highlighting what Quentin Dunbar does well. So, yep. you know, they, they went after him, they, they were able to sign him and he's on a prove it contract. And it sure sounds like they're going to get an opportunity to prove it. Uh, the one thing though, about the, the corners is that, you know, we often talk about how you have more starters than available slots at certain positions, and, and cornerback is one of them. Like, yeah. you have two starting corners, but you need three players that are capable of starting just because of the way the NFL works. And inevitable, you're going to get hamstrings and ankles and stuff like that that pop up on your starting corners, and, and you need guys that can fill in. So I, I, I do still think Oari is going to see the field quite a bit. Um, it sounds like they have a plan for Melifanu. Um, you know, I, they're going to work him in slow because of how challenging it is for, for a rookie uh, corner to acclimate to the NFL so quickly. But, um, yeah, I, I think we're going to – Dunbar's – it sure sounds like in, – and in, in based on what we know about the staff, it sure sounds like Dunbar is going to be the preferred starter. But that doesn't mean, you know, we're not going to see plenty of Owari. And now at safety, it's a big unknown, right? Do you, do you want, um, Marlowe, who's been showing some leadership skills? Are they again, are they going to take that same approach of wanting to give an edge to the veteran over the younger player? It's very possible. But again, I, I, I I think it will really come down to what happens in camp and the most talented player is going to be the guy who, who sees the field with this coaching staff. 
Ryan, are, are those kind of two of, of your biggest camp battles that you're looking forward to when training camp rolls around? And, and do you have kind of an inclination of, of who you think might, uh, might have the edge there? Yeah, I, I think Dunbar has got the advantage to being a starting cornerback, whether or not it's on one side or the other. Like, I think the Lions really kind of showed their hands, and I think maybe Eric can speak to this too, but, like, you know, drafting Melifonwu seemed to match up with the kind of athletic profile and size traits as signing Quentin Dunbar. So um, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And in terms of a veteran, um, it, a guy who can prove it, uh, a guy who has done it, is Quentin Dunbar. So um, I, I really view him as kind of being an, an early front runner. I know a lot of people want to see the the young corners be out there, um, but I, I, I truly think that Dunbar has kind of like a leg up right now um, without reading too much into the, the early OTA stuff. But um, as far as the safety position goes, it just seems like it's going to be like a rotation. Like past Tracy Walker, I mean, I think you're just going to see so many different bodies rotating in there um, that it's – I don't know if there, if I can even kind of envision like um, you know front runners or, or guys who are going to get a ton of playing time because it could be like a really like week to week thing, um, and and maybe somebody step, steps out and stands out and shows out at training camp and and kind of earns that spot. But um, yeah, I think cornerback is, is probably the most interesting position in terms of seeing how things are going to shake out um, because really I think all three spots are up for grabs. Like when you're talking about being in your nickel base, like, um, you know, cornerback one, two and, and your nickel guy. Like, I, I think it's all open for, for it's open for the taking. And so go, go go ahead. I I was going to say, Ryan brought up two really good points. Um, is that, um, this, this defense is predicated on speed. And that me in order to be able to maintain that speed, you need to be able to have guys that are fresh. And so there are going to be positions that there's going to be rotations at. Right. Um, you if you study the Rams defense, which is this what this is going to be kind of modeled after, um, they rotated their linebackers, um, you know, consistently. And, and, and it wouldn't be surprising to see that happen to the safeties, especially if there's not a clear front runner with that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out was that. There's like Dunbar, he can play in the slot sometimes. Okuda, I th- he can play in the slot sometimes. Uh, we've seen it a bit out of Oria, not as much. And then Melifanu, they sp- the coaches have specifically talked about the fact that he can be a matchup guy in the slot against yes. your big slot receiver. So while Corn Elder is kind of like tabbed as the nickel starter, it wouldn't be at all surprising to me to see Akuda, Owari, and Dunbar as your top three corners in nickel in nickel sets, just because of some of the flexibility that those guys have. So um and again that goes back to, to like what Ryan said with the rotation. Like if you want to get your best guys out there and you want to keep your guys fresh, you're gonna be putting these guys out there in different spots than what you know what might necessarily be like a true like starting position you're going to see more rotation out of these guys that's interesting i i i I think you're you both are probably right and i don't i don't know if if lions fans are going to love that or hate that um obviously with the guard rotation guard rotation but but that's i mean that's completely different like the people teams regularly rotate their 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 back seven and and not so much their their front five on offense <laughs> but but to kind of steer the, the the conversation in a different direction i want to talk a little bit about amani orwarie because i don't know the the way you kind of look at where this roster is built for the immediate and the future 
it kind of seems like he might be getting boxed out a little bit because, yeah, if Quinn Dunbar is your quote-unquote starter as, as CB2 or CB1 or whatever you want, that leaves him kind of out in the immediate. And then if you draft a guy like Ifatu Melifanwu, well, then that's the guy that's up and coming. Is 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 Orarie being kind of phased out a little bit? Is that is that fair to say, or or no. will he just? No, you don't think that's fair to say. <laughs> I do, I don't because okay. this is a position that you have to have starting depth. Sure, like you you have to. And when you look mm-hmm. at what the Saints were able to do, the Saints had guys that you could co- that could come in and start if someone else got injured, and then you wouldn't necessarily miss a beat. Like you need. There, there are certain positions on the field where you need three starters for two positions, right? Yep. Corner is absolutely number one on that list, right? <laughs> so offensive tackle is two, though, and we know, we know what's happening over there. Right. Well, exactly. <laughs> offensive tackle is my number two position. You need that at right, uh, but you can never have enough corners yeah. ever, right? And, and so if and from a, from a long term perspective. Dunbar isn't guaranteed anything beyond this year. Sure. You know, maybe maybe he has a great season as a starter, and now he wants $8 million, $10 million a year, and the Lions don't, don't want to pay that, especially with Malifanu in, in the wings. So right. I, I, I don't think he's being boxed out. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity, and I think we're going to see a lot of play out of him, even if he's not a starter. Fair enough. Uh, thanks for the question, Connor. Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks. All right, let's move on to Michael, who's been patiently waiting. Michael, how you doing, man? Doing great. How about yourself? Good, good. Good morning from Boulder Gulch Campground in California. <laughs> oh, love oh, it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to switch over to the offensive side of the ball, is that if we stack the quarterbacks in the NFC North and the Packers don't have Rodgers, <laughs> up the number two. And if that's the case, does that add wins in the division versus Chicago uh, and their rookie and whoever's quarterbacking without Rodgers and Green Bay? Mm, I love this question. Think, thinking about the NFC North without Aaron Rodgers just puts a smile on my face. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think those Green Bay games suddenly become a lot more winnable, right, Eric? Oh yeah, <laughs> completely. Yeah, um, yeah. You take the MVP off a roster, and all of a sudden, yeah, that that roster is not as dangerous. Um, the thing is, is outside of Aaron Rodgers, um, there's a lot of unknowns, right? Yeah. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. He's never going to be great. He's never going to be terrible, but he's going to be, uh, you know, consistently average, right? Um, Goff, we've seen highlights and lowlights, and we really don't know in a completely new system what's going to happen with him. Uh, and if Rodgers isn't there, you don't really know exactly what Jordan Love is going to be able to do. And then is um, is Justin Fields even going to start in Chicago, or are they going to just sh- shoot themselves in the face and, and keep starting all their, <laughs> the, you know, what they normally do with quarterbacks, right? So, like, I have no confidence in Chicago being able to make the right decision. And so – it's 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 a tough it's it's a good question it's a question though that i can't definitively say who would be the best quarterback uh could it be cousins it would be terrible if if that's the right <laughs> answer like that would be a, that would be horrible but um yeah, jeez, I would hope golf. You know, as a Lions fan, you would hope golf would be would be the next best guy. It's just that's such an unknown. I, like this this if if Rodgers leaves, this division just becomes completely crazy. I think I think you can feel all three of us getting kind of like sweaty at just the idea of like Aaron Rodgers <laughs> not being in the NFC North. It's like 
okay, like this hypothetical is like too good to be true, right? Um, but to be honest, Jeremy, I mean, just be honest with the people that like this question or this theoretical situation is so enticing to you, a noted Vikings fan and a Kirk <laughs> Cousins truther, that this would just – finally everybody would see the light, right? <laughs> well – you, you, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. I do think Kirk Cousins is is continually underrated. I think he's better than I, better than advertised. Yes, I think. I mean, if he's better than garbage, like I, I <laughs> mean, <on>. like <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know how how much you want to put you know stock into PFF grades or, or traditional statistics like passer rating and and even you know QBR, but like. You go back, he's been top 10 consistently. Granted, he's been like 9 or 10 on those lists, but he's been up there. And, I, I mean, you also have to point out the fact that he's given everything he could ever want in Minnesota in a great defense and a good running game. And, well, at times, good offensive line, not not so much recently. but um, and, and a great wide receiving core, obviously, as well. But... I don't know. Like, I think, I think he's, I think he's, he would be the clear number one. Like, not, I don't think it would be particularly close. And then golf, I think, would probably be the clear number two. And that wouldn't be particularly close. But then you're talking about two guys who have never, you know, taken a snap in the NFL in, in Jordan Love and, and Justin Fields. And, and maybe, maybe Chicago plays, I don't know, whatever former Eagles quarterback they have now. I don't even remember. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, 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 listen, I, Call call me a truther, call me a Vikings fan, whatever. I I think I think that would pretty much solidify him being the the number one in the division. The uh, the, I, the Andy Dalton, I was gonna say the Andy Dalton Nick Foles battle yes. is going to be epic, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Like, could, could we could we just have the four Spider Mans pointing at each other meme with like Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Kirk Cousins, and Jared Goff? Like, <laughs> <laughs> not fair to Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah yeah who okay so let me let me wrap this up this will be the the final question of the day i guess unless michael you've got another one but who who becomes the division favorite to you if aaron Rodgers gets traded out of the division oh, man <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to say it but i think it's chicago whoa that yeah. might be my third answer uh, if aaron Rodgers gets traded out it still might be the Packers because they have they have a very balanced team. Yeah, I think you can poke holes in all the other teams in the NFC North. Uh, the the bear the Bears. I mean, I, I just my confidence level with them is terrible. I think the Vikings defense is going to take a major step back because of their defensive line. And um, yeah, we just don't know. We don't know what we have here in in Detroit. So um, yeah, the the Packers have the most balanced offense and even without him i think that that's how far ahead i think the packers are from the rest of this group that they could lose the mvp and maybe still be the front runner <laughs> yikes right I, I mean i i guess i i have to just be on brand here and i think it's probably minnesota i mean they they did take a, a big step back on defense last year i'm not one to to count out um minnesota bouncing back on defense and i know that the talent isn't quite there yet but they've got a lot i mean there's a reason they've accumulated 18 draft picks for each draft over the past two years because they want they know they needed to get younger on that side of the ball and so they got some guys you know from last year that i think they're hoping to take a, a year two step and i think might um given that they've got zimmer there who who has a hell of a track record 
And then, you know, offensively, they, they've, like, balance this has always been their game, and I think they're going to continue to be a, a nice, balanced offense. This Their defense, I have so much uh, trepidation about wanting to say they're going to be good, even despite Zimmer, because they have invested in youth. But that youth hasn't paid off, and now right. they're trading away first-round picks. Uh, they traded away their corner, who was a former first-round pick, because sure. they have what forty-eight-year-old uh, Patrick Peterson <laughs> on their roster now. You know what he's, I mean? Like he's always 20, 20 years <laughs> younger than you think he is. Yeah, he's always he's perpetually twenty-eight. <laughs> right. Uh, look, you've got you've you've got Patrick Peterson. Jeff Gladney, who was your first round pick last year, who should probably be your nickel, but he's not your nickel because your nickel is Cameron Dantzler, who is a six foot three slower corner who should really be on the outside. Like this deep, this is is going to be horrible to say, but like when you look at the fact that they don't have an interior pass rush, uh, their corners are not quite where they they need to be. This reminds me of a Detroit defense from a, a couple of years back, where they had they just didn't have the pieces in place. They had some names, they had they had some strength at, at certain spots, but like they have a they have a de- Hunter is phenomenal, and, and, sure. and they have terrific safeties. Who, who isn't happy? Um, but sure. I'm saying yeah, he's also yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like the 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 uh, Stephen Weatherly is is their defensive end opposite Daniel Hunter. How many people know who Stephen Weatherly is or where he played because college ball? You know what I mean? Like he's when you look at this defense, you look at guys that are either old, slow, or are not capable of rushing the passer. And when that happens, how long can an aging Patrick Peterson held up? How long can an undersized Jeff Gladney hang with a guy like uh, who's you know six foot three and can run a four three? There, there are weaknesses on this Vikings defense that make me say if the Vikings are going to win it's going to be because of uh, Jeremy's favorite player in the NFL Kirk Cousins <laughs> so and, and how much confidence do you have in him being able to take over a game uh, and, and win it if the defense can't stop people so uh, I, 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 I'm concerned. Uh, we'll, I, I'm going, I went off the rails a little bit. There. Eric, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, Eric, I am over the top rope waiting for the hot tag to come in because you didn't even mention why, why did they, why did they sign Dalvin Tomlinson this year when they had Michael Pierce? Like you talked yeah, about like no interior pass rush. Like they got the same guy to do like the same thing. And this is also a defense that a year ago they traded for Ngakwe, and everybody was like, "Whoa!" I mean, look out for the Vikings, and then he was traded midseason. Like, right? They lost value on that. <laughs> they lost value on that when they were supposed to be world beaters on defense. Like, I, I think that they're pretty far away. Yeah, and when you look at their reserves, even it's not like Armand Watts is going to be giving you pass rush up the middle. It's not like Jalen Holmes, is, who be, who's their best backup on the edge, is going to be lighting the world on fire. Like they've got one pass rusher, and his name is Daniel Hunter. Oh, and st- stop, stop, Eric! They're dead already. Stop. <laughs> I I am not a fan of this tag team for this. It's this handicap match that's happening right now. Um, so, so let's close things out, um, Michael. I hope you got your answer that. Um, we think any of the other three teams could potentially win the division if Aaron Rodgers is not there. Well, according according to Eric, it's not like the Lions or the Saints win. <laughs> yeah, I think. So. 
Exactly. All right. Uh, let's close things up there. Thank you all for joining us live. Thank you to our podcast listeners that are listening to this recorded again. If you want to join in live next time, Saturday mornings, check Twitter to see what time on the locker room app, download it on your iOS devices. But until next time, it's chaos. Be kind, everybody. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply.